So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. from you. Are you single and do you want to understand men better? Human, do you want to understand yourself? Do you have a question about your husband and how to support him? Send us your questions today. Joining me is Devin Shaw, the founder of the Fathers of St. Joseph, and we'll dive into how to meet the needs of your spouse. If you have a question for Devin, the number is 888-914-9149. It's a toll-free line sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters Life Insurance. You can ask your question now on social media. Just follow me at Timmery, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. We'll be watching for your question. Or again, you can call in. The number is 888-914-9149. Later, I'll dive into the great news out of Ohio that to try and mutilate the body of a minor to give a child fertility damaging puberty blocking drugs, it's a no game in the state of Ohio. The ban that has been pushing to make sure that damaging drugs for kids aren't accessible uh, went all the way to the governor's desk and then he vetoed it. And now legislators there in the state of Ohio overruled that vote, and we will see that law go into effect most likely in the next 90 days. A little bit more on that because maybe you're pro-transgender. I would love to talk to you because I think there are really clear, common sense things that we can, you and I can agree on if you're pro cross-sex hormones, if you're pro so-called sex changes, all of these supposedly therapeutic uh, services for someone who struggles with transgenderism. So I'm happy to take your question on that. We'll dive into that in a little bit. Again, our question, our line today, if you want to ask a question for Devin, is 888-914-9149. He's from St. Joseph. He loves St. Joseph, and he founded the Fathers of St. Joseph, doing great work with men, male leadership, and helping fathers both navigate children and family life with your spouse. And our topic today is, does a man need encouragement from his wife? Maybe you have a brief story you'd like to share or have a question about how on earth to support and encourage your spouse. We're happy to take it. Devin, welcome back to Trending. Thank you, Tim Murray. It's great to be with you. The question of the hour is, does a man need encouragement from his wife? And if so, what does that look like? I think we live in a culture that uh, tends to be rather critical. I mean, just look at the news cycle and struggles with praiseworthy comments. But I see within the context of marriage, some people say, hey, I don't want to just give flattery for the sake of flattery or to be untruthful or to give fake praise. So does a man need encouragement from his wife, and what does that look like? Well, I would, yes, I think obviously he does. And I think that as men, we tend to live in two polar extremes or realms. We have the idealistic self where we think we're better than we are. We have achieved more than we think than we really have. So we have an overinflated view of ourselves. Now, on the other hand, we can think of ourselves as less than we are. We can feel like a failure, we're not good enough, that we're posers or fakes. And ironically, both those feed into each other. So the more insecure a man is, the more he's tempted to overcompensate. The more he overcompensates, then he feels insecure because he's not living up to that. So where this really 
becomes reality though, or at least we find an escape from that is in marriage. Marriage is incredibly helpful because a man needs self-knowledge. And if you know yourself, you can become who God has created you to be. As St. Teresa of Avila said, humilitas est veritas. So humility is truth. So truth is self-knowledge. Your wife is the key to the true you because she's going to tell you who you really are. And the true you can achieve incredible things in God. So your wife can become this great ally. But the problem, though, is that over-familiarity in marriage oftentimes can breed contempt. And that contempt you know, can basically cause a wife to focus on her husband's faults. And that leads to despising him and having disdain for him. And if that is that comes out, that leads him to discouragement. And that's when he shuts down. Okay. But encouragement in the Latin is to, it's really to have all of your heart. That's what it really means to give all of your heart, to encourage. And so discouragement is to suck the heart of a man. But as Eve was in the beginning, her name means life bearer. And that just means to actually give life to encourage the man. So that's the key. So a man needs self-knowledge. He needs humility. But he also needs that encouragement to become who he really is. And that happens in marriage. Or it's supposed to happen in marriage. That's the idea. That's intense when you put it that way, that when we're discouraging toward our husbands, when you're discouraging, maybe even to your son or a male sibling, how we're in the workplace, like this is important. And although we have that predominant male female relationship in marriage, that it does influence the other relationships we have. And when we're discouraging, we are as women acting in total opposition to how God created us. As you mentioned, the idea that Eve is a life bearer, that our lady is a life bearer, and that the mm. opposite is true when we discourage people, that we suck the heart, the, the energy, the love, the building up out of people. I've often said that I think one of the greatest gifts we have as women is the ability to compliment one another, like to verbally compliment, but to compliment in action. And one of the greatest downfalls of women it is many of us know it gossip and criticism. It's a very prevalent uh, in particular gossip. And that's the antithesis of that building up that life giving yeah. as you're mentioning. And I remember some years ago, Devin, I was reading uh, some work from a sociologist and he had commented on a lot of research and polling that most men, and it was staggering to see the statistics that the majority of men really do believe themselves the greatest imposter in the room. Like they're a total poser. They're just faking it till they make it. They have less confidence than you'd think. And I think as a society, we tend to think, okay, men are bolder. Uh, men, because of testosterone, have a bigger ego. But I think what was interesting was it's actually quite the contrary. And so this whole idea of encouragement I think is more fundamental than we realize than I realize as a woman. And it makes me think about how this is actually lived out on a, in a concrete way. Is it just words or is it actions as well? And I think that's pretty significant when we look at the need as being as significant as you say for encouragement on the part of women toward their husbands. Yeah, I think that's incredible, first of all, but that idea that most men, you know, are post posers or feel like they're the greatest imposter in the room is really tremendous. And I'll just, I'll go on. All right. I used to be like that. And it was 
when my wife and I began to have this relationship that was founded on trust and I began to trust her and listen to her and seek her counsel. And when she began to trust me and know that I had her best interest in mind, and then we grew together, that confidence built. It, it just kept increasing. And obviously God is the source. My wife is not the source. I'm not the source for her. We're conduits or reservoirs of grace for one another. But I, 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 I want to go on the books as saying, yes, I've wrestled with this. I know what that's like. But on the other hand, I do know what it's like to have the Passover and to actually live from my true self. And this is the beauty, is when you live with someone who accepts your total self and doesn't run, you know, they don't flee from you, but they accept you with all of your inadequacies, all your weaknesses, and also your strengths and your gifts. And they accept the total you, and they love you in that. That is a great place to be because you know you can grow in that relationship, not only for the relationship, but for God and in, in yourself. So uh, just a shout out is like husbands and wives, be that person for your spouse because you can really, and you only benefit from it. If, you're, if your husband becomes more confident, that is confide, he lives with faith, that is faith in God and who God has made him be, he is going to be a great husband. Same thing with the wife. She's going to become a great wife. So yeah, I, I love what you said there, but I just wanted to comment on that. I think that's very powerful. One challenge I see is for a woman, what if she's lost confidence or even trust in her husband? Like, how do you encourage someone that you don't have confidence in? Maybe there was a wound that is festering, something that perhaps needs to just be forgiven and moved past or maybe addressed, um, or maybe it's in your head. You know, there, there's a reason maybe that you are not allowing yourself to have confidence and trust in your spouse. How do you feel this need for a man to be encouraged to, for you to encourage your spouse, not just his need, but your need, your role to give that to him when that, that confidence and trust has been broken? Mm, mm. Well, okay, so <laughs> let's a couple of qualifiers. You know, every relationship's so different and you know, we may not fully understand why a wife doesn't encourage her husband. You know, it could be because he's truly a deadbeat husband or it could truly be because he, she just has high expectations and ideals that are not realistic, right? There could be a plethora of reasons why, but I think that at the base you nailed it is that why wouldn't a wife encourage her husband and be a source of encouragement for him is because number one, trust is lost somewhere in the relationship. And I think it's important to determine when and where or how that happened. You know, so if the wife had certain expectations about what the husband would provide and then that kind of fell apart, or maybe he was unfaithful, or maybe she discovered something about him that she didn't expect, it's we have to revisit that place. We have to go to that place. And so I think the wife needs to just ask herself, where was that trust in my heart lost? You know, and then this always has to be done. And this is why I love Christianity is because when we do this with God and in his presence, there's great hope. But if we do it the world's way, this is disastrous. I mean, there might be a little hope there, but really God, he can heal all things. So I think, first of all, is to with God, pray on it and determine where the trust was lost. Then I think the wife can reflect if she's reflecting properly. And again, this is why I love Christianity, because Christ and his truth kind of holds all of that together. So she can't look in Christ in his, in his face, so to speak, and be before Christ 
and kind of make up things about her husband. So she's actually going to be looking with the lens of Christ at her husband and looking at his where he faulted, okay, and find out where those real faults really are and no straw man arguments. So that's kind of the second thing is reflect properly on where you think those faults lie. And I think then the third thing is, and this is the key, and we've been talking about this the whole time in this marriage thing because this is so important, the five principles, right? Spouses have real, authentic, God-given needs. And number two, spouses are called to express those needs of one another. And once those needs have been communicated, spouses can use their creativity and generosity to attempt to address those needs by giving a gift to one another. And from that giftedness, there's communion. And so here's where the, dis- the third step is discuss to learn to trust. And it could be 20, 30, 40 conversations of this until you get it right without blaming and accusations or arguing. But you just keep at it. You keep discussing so that you can rebuild that trust and understand that the other has your best interest at heart. And I think over time, finally, you get to this point where, hey, let's rebuild this trust. And that's where she can begin to encourage him again. And it's like like we were talking about earlier, is this the chicken or the egg? You know, if she doesn't encourage him because she doesn't think he's worthy of that, then he begins to lack confidence because she doesn't encourage him and then he doesn't move forward, right? So which one feeds the other? I think both are kind of like feeding the other. So if the spouses work collaboratively collaboratively toward a mutual achievement of union by encouraging one another, that's where the healing will begin. Okay. So I don't know. That's a lot. (laughs) I think there's some homework here to be done because whether you've lost confidence and trust in your spouse or this is something you're going to work on, I think, as you mentioned, there's some there's some soul searching that needs to be done. Prayerful soul searching. And I really do believe in of course, prayer, but also journaling in prayer as well. It helps us mm-hmm. to to see reason, to see it written on paper, uh, to really p- truthfully put our words down and see them and focus our thoughts. So I think that's very helpful to evaluate, you know, is there a reason for this lack of trust and confidence? Or how can I work better in seeing the good in my spouse and maybe heal in some of those heal- areas that need to be healed? Perhaps there's a legitimate reason for therapy and you need to see a Catholic therapist. CatholicTherapist.com is a great resource. Or maybe you mentioned there's been betrayal via pornography or some type of betrayal trauma. BloomforCatholicWomen.com is a great Mm. resource for Mm -hmm. healing from betrayal trauma. But maybe there just needs to be some forgiveness that is verbalized to your spouse or is acknowledged in your own heart that you're forgiving, like actually meaning those words and the Our Father at the end of of the Our Father and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespassed against us. And then maybe there are still things that outwardly need to come out into the light. As you mentioned earlier, Devin, communicating that we address, you know, I'm having a hard time having confidence in this particular area and finding a way to come together on that. Maybe you misunderstand something. Maybe he didn't understand that that was such a big deal. There's much there, I think, for room for improvement. And then Mm -hmm. there's room for that actually looking for what are those good things about my spouse that I know that I love and maybe how can I start writing down in a little note like my gratitude verbally saying it um, maybe it's a sending a text message here and there but starting to give that sense of gratitude because I think you and I were talking earlier today Devin there are a lot of unthanked tasks that occur in the context of family life and 
it's important that we step back and start to see those things again and actually verbalize the gratitude as a means of encouragement. Oh, yeah. I, I There's a movie, probably people ridiculing me for watching it, but my son-in-law had me watch it. It was called Nobody. And it's just this crazy film. But the guy at the beginning of the film, he just keeps taking out the trash and he keeps missing the, the time when the trash people are coming and, you know, taking it away. And, and he just is so frustrated. His wife's like, you missed the trash again. You know, it's like she notices when he does it wrong, but does she notice when he does it right? And I, I think that, I think all that you said, we that's really, really great stuff, that homework. And so let's just break that down a little bit. So make it kind of simple. Uh, I love, I think earlier we were talking about kind of like this practical two-step, you know, so in dancing, there's a two-step, right? So there's a practical two-step acknowledge the good in him and then affirm it by verbalizing it right so this is how a woman can be the encouragement to have that heart encouragement is to have that heart so she can give him her heart by seeing his good by acknowledging that good and so that step one is identify the good in him and then i would say like you were saying journal it make a list Make a list of the good things you see in them, even if it's two or, or three things. Write those down. And then I think step two is go to God in prayer and thank him for each of those things on your list that your hubby has or is, these characteristics. And then thank God for him specifically. So that's number two. Thank him. Thank God that your husband has these good qualities and thank God for him. But then Third, like you were saying, I love that. Text him, um, write him a little note, b- verbalize to him, thank him for those good things that you see in him. And I don't think you should do it all at once because then it's like, okay, somebody put you up to this and there's some kind of exercise or a drill, you know, and you're flooding him and that, that can create a monster anyway. So I think though that those three steps, identify the good in him, make that list. Second, thank God for those things in your husband and for him. And then third, relate that to him. That's where the acknowledgement turns into affirmation. And then like we were saying earlier, I think this is super important is when you see him achieving something, relish in his achievement, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. pause. And, you know, one of my friends, he says, I don't think we do this enough in our culture. We, we, we achieve something and then we kind of move on to the next thing and like, okay, it's, I got to be better. I got to be greater. And we don't pause to be thankful for what God has done in our lives and what he's allowed us to participate in. And I think that can happen with spouses too. And so when, when we relish in those achievements, when she sees his achievement and brings notice to that, that's like filling him with respect, which is primary love language. And then he begins to trust his wife all the more. She says, man, she sees me. And, and the wife is communicating. I believe in you. You're, you're capable. And that just only increases that confidence. Mm-hmm. And I think there's immense amount of pressure on the shoulders of men I and mean, all of us, but in particular men, there mm-hmm. is that God-given role to lead, protect and provide. And it's not easy in the culture, the economy, all the circumstances we're in today. And women really help to alleviate the pressure that men experience. And we do this by that complementarity, by that encouragement, but by our tenderness the tone in which we speak, the way we welcome each other when we see each other after being apart, uh, our ability to be adaptable in circumstances 
that can be challenging or when your spouse, you know, presents something to you that's different or a season in life that's just not easy, that that encouragement is really lived out in action, in our adaptability by being there for each other and doing things together. I think that the gratitude, as you mentioned, is so key, that that gratitude is encouragement, the relishing and the achievement, that's encouragement. All of this has a major impact on how we view ourselves and view each other. And just one other thing that I think is key for women too is to manage our expectations that sometimes our expectations get in the way of our ability to encourage our spouse because we thought, I thought life was going to look like this. I thought we were going to make X amount of money. I thought we were going to live in this area. I thought we were going to take this vacation. I thought we were going to have this many children or children in general. There's so many pieces that can be so broken in that area of expectation. And it can stymie our love mm. for the other person, but also it cannot just stymie our love for the other person, but the way the other person feels when they know they're letting you down. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's really great. Um, yeah, so that that is so good when we – the understanding that we could be heaping unrealistic expectations on our spouse is huge. And there's only one God, and it's not your spouse, right? <laughs> Even if your spouse thinks that your spouse is God. And so, I, I, I just a little example. My wife, um, you know, once in a while I get worried about my job situation, and I worry about where I'm going to be at six months a year. And I will talk about this. And she said, she said, I will follow you wherever you go, even if we have to live in a shack. I will, I will go there with you. And to me, that was like so encouraging that it gave me confidence that I want to give her more. I want to be that more for her. She is she's willing to do whatever she can to be with me. It's like she's saying, I love you. I trust you. I believe in you. I will not only be there for you, but I will be there, but I will be with you in the there. And I think that's so huge. And it's like, man, when you have that – I feel like I can conquer anything, you know, and, and I, I, I just think that that is what alleviates the pressure and the psych of the already overburdened man, you know, is because we already know we have to provide, we want to provide. A lot of times we feel like failures in this area, but when a wife says, baby, I love you and everything else is icing on the cake, man, I want to ice that cake. You know, I want to I go for more. I want to, I want to give her more than she asks, you know? Because I know that she loves me and it gives me so much. It, that is encouragement, which courage, fortitude, it, it encourages me to press on mm. and to be the victor. That's Devin Shad from the Fathers of St. Joseph. He's the founder of the Fathers of St. Joseph and the author of numerous books. Check out his work at fathersofstjoseph.org. That's fathersofstjoseph.org. Coming back, taking your questions, the number is 888-914-9149. Devin's going to answer your questions about how to meet the needs of your spouse, navigating and understanding men, whether you're single or married, want to better support your spouse, send us your questions on social media or give us a call. Are you tired of educational options that are one-size-fits-all? Our sponsor, Colby Academy, offers the flexibility of both accredited online and traditional school-at-home options to fit the needs of your child. Visit RelevantRadio.com slash Colby. 
bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back. My guest is Devin Shaw, the founder of the Fathers of St. Joseph and the author of numerous books. His organization really helps in building up men as husbands and fathers. You can find his work at fathersofstjoseph.org. If you have a question for Devin on how to meet the need of your spouse, how to encourage him, how to better understand man in a particular situation, give us a call. The number is 888-914-9149, or you can ask your question now on social media. Just follow me at Timmery, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E, where we've also tagged the fathers of St. Joseph. You want to follow them there. Okay, lots of questions coming in. Let's start with Layla from California. Layla, welcome to Trending. What's your question for Devin today? Yes, my question is, um, what do you do uh, for so many years of trying and trying uh, with your husband, uh, trying to tell him that I have not done nothing in our relationship or marriage or you know, for him to be so insecure. He started getting very insecure, very jealous uh, after the fifth um, kiss um, when he was young. So it just came really, really um, the problem with him, of him trusting. And uh, I tried so many times to work with that. We, I mean, I was going to retreats, I will find, you know, red to buy, encourage, uh, I mean, um, uh, marriage encounter, um, all these uh, retreats for couples trying to figure out and let him uh, figure out himself of what's going on. And he will change totally once we were out of town by himself and me. I would tell him, I love the way you are when you were far away. And when once we come home, you change. Your attitude mm-hmm. changes. Everything changes. And um, it got to the point that he would check my emails, my phone, my car, my mileage. I mean, it was getting really bad until it's going to be... Well, it's already a year that we've been separated because he got to the point that he will not talk to mm-hmm. me for a month or just, and I was trying to figure out what is going on. What did I do wrong? If I will go to the store, I will get kind of mm-hmm. nervous because I didn't want that conflict with him. I wanted him to be, you know, but um, I, I, I tried. I tried so many times when um this past year, I told him, you know, I can't, I can't no more, you know, and it, and it really hurt me to get to this separation, but mm, I mean, yeah. what else do you do? Right. Yeah, Layla, I I hear your pain and everything that's happened. Just to summarize, make sure I understand correctly, it sounds like after you had your first, fifth baby that your husband really started to feel insecure, untrusting, jealous, calling into question your fidelity. And also, it sounds like he was jealous of the kids. Is that right? Not actually the kids, but anything that I will go out, let's say, if I never did, because I want to have my relationship, you know. Yeah, but if I will go to the store, he will just 
why did you stay so late or, you know, things I like see. that. Yep. So, yep. I'm going to go ahead and throw this over to Devin. Devin, any thoughts or advice into the situation for Layla of how to help rebuild that confidence in her husband that he's so insecure in mm-hmm. her and untrusting and jealous? Yeah, Layla. So first of all, Layla, you are not the problem. And I, I just want that to settle in your soul. You did nothing wrong. You are not the problem. The problem lies in your husband's insecurity, which lies in the, it's a, it's really a matter of sonship. And this is, I can testify to this. I, I've lived this. So I know, and I know many, many, many men who wrestled with this. When we are not trusting sons of God, when we do not trust God, the father in the way he's made us, who he's made us to be, when we just don't trust him, we will not be a trustworthy father, a trusting husband. We just won't be because we cannot give what we don't have. And I, this might be harsh, but this is just from my personal experience is that Romans 2, Paul says the very things that we accuse others of, we are guilty of. And I think actually it's Romans 1. Mm. And I think that a jealous person tends to be jealous because they they know what's inside of themselves, so to speak, you know? And, and so... I, you cannot heal your husband. This is beyond you. No matter what you did, like you said, you didn't go out. You stopped, you know, hanging out with your friends. You you were just going to the store right back. All this trying to assure him, doing retreat after retreat. The problem is with him. Now, is there hope for him? There is always hope, but he has to get right with God. And what that means is he's got to have a prayer life in which he brings this pain to God because he doesn't like himself. That's the bottom line. He's probably wounded as, as a youth somewhere mm-hmm. where he's distrusted God's authority because of some figure in his life. And therefore he's insecure because of that, because he doesn't have the confidence in believing who God has made him to be. That's where his homework has to be done, but you cannot do that for him. Mm-hmm. So the thing you can do right now, Layla, is you can pray and sacrifice as you have for him mm-hmm. and beg God to open him up to the reality that God has chosen him, that God desires him, that God actually wants him to come into full realization of his sonship. Yes, this is really good. And I, I just say, hold on to hope. Hold on to hope. There's a great book called Impossible Marriages Redeemed. And it's by Layla Miller. And she compiles countless stories of people. And the, mm-hmm. the subtitle is, they didn't end the story in the middle. And it's of, of marriages that were on the brink of their divorce, marriages that did divorce, marriages that uh, had been living separately. And uh, they came back, they were healed. And they're incredible stories, but hold on to hope. God can work incredible miracles. And as Devin, you just mentioned prayer, but also prayer and fasting, remembering that mm-hmm. when Jesus Christ goes up Mount Tabor at the transfiguration, when he comes back down, the apostles, the disciples were there trying to cast out a demon out of this demoniac and they couldn't. And Jesus comes down, he takes care of it right away. And they look at him and they say, Lord, like, why couldn't we do it? And he comments on their lack of faith, but he also comments that some demons are only cast out with prayer and fasting. We have to rekindle 
the tradition of fasting in the church and fasting for an intention for a specific person, especially our spouse. And it's not easy to fast, uh, but it's transformative. As Jesus himself said, some demons are only cast out with prayer and fasting. We're praying for you, Layla. We're praying for your husband. Joe from San Diego, California is online line three. Welcome to Trending. What's your question or comment today on the topic of encouragement and meeting your spouse's needs? Oh, hi, hi, Timory. Hi, Devin. It's, it's an honor hey. to talk to you, Timory, first of all. <laughs> You're a wonderful young lady. <laughs> Thanks uh, for being and, here. And then uh, my comment is this. I'm an attorney. I've been practicing for 28 years. When I opened up my first office, my office the first time, it was very lean. The times were lean. Uh, the first three years was like I could say I was making basically nothing. But the lady I married, uh, God bless her, she stood with me. She said, as long as you work hard and keep pushing, and she always encouraged me and everything. Now we're sitting very pretty, and uh, I think you're you're from San Diego, Timmy, so you know where Sunset Cliffs is. Uh, And it's a wonderful neighborhood. We're very happy. We have a wonderful daughter. And in the meantime, through suffering, you do get, you, you get, you, you get what you want as long as you keep plugging. You don't, don't give up. Have faith in God. Main thing is have faith, always pray, and which I did, and uh, and, and listening to relevant radio too has really made my, my faith <laughs> more and more. Okay, praise God! Thank you for that testimony. What a powerful testimony! The times are lean, especially early on in marriage or at the beginning of your career, and your wife's confidence. It sounds like uh, made the world of difference. That that helped build you up in the face of new marriage, new career, loans. That she helped instill that confidence and trust in you. I love that testimony, and especially to see it in hindsight that the value that was there all these years later. Thank you for sharing, Joe. Uh, pray for us. Pray for marriages. Um, you're listening to Trending with Tim Ray here on Relevant Radio. Joining me now is Devin Shad from the Founders. He's the founder of the Fathers of St. Joseph. You can find him at fathersofstjoseph.org. Okay, another interesting question. Um, here is Melanie. She said, my husband says he doesn't feel supported by me, and I asked him for specifics. He said, quote, he doesn't feel like he can lean on me. He, She said, I don't do well with metaphors, so I don't really know what to do with this information. I keep asking him to elaborate, and it just starts a fight. What advice do you have? Are you uh, wanting me to go, or do you yes, want to go? Yes, go ahead. Jump in. Yep. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well— it sounds to me like your husband, uh, Melanie, is looking to feel supported, right? Who knows? I, I don't know the situation. He could be a very needy guy. Um, and so if he is overly needy and overly insecure, you don't want to feed that, you know, to where he becomes kind of a monster who's you're enabling by uh, affirmation, right? But let's just take it from the good standpoint that he does need encouragement. And he doesn't, he's not able to point out specifics. Men struggle with articulating how they feel. We're not very good at it. In fact, sometimes we're just downright awful. We know we feel it, but we don't know how to describe it. We don't know why. But I think that when he's saying uh, he doesn't feel like he can lean on you, it may be because he's looking for. I don't know. Sometimes guys are looking for the wife to say, you've got what it takes. I believe in you. 
you really have this gift or this talent or way to go on this, right? Without being a cheerleader. But sometimes what we get instead is you forgot to take out the trash or, you know, our daughter has this problem and it's more the negativity that rolls out, right? And so perhaps one thing you could do right now, and you could just try it, is to find one good thing that he's doing or that's about him and just kind of point it out to him. And then also try to curb any language that seems to be biting, negative, or problematic. And just see if, like, and just watch yourself. See how much of your conversation has, like, negative thoughts or negative things that you're talking about or if you're talking negative about him. And then try to, let's say it's 80%. Try to bump that down to 60%. Start small. And then, you know, instead of saying, I can't, I'm going to just go cold turkey. And then just kind of keep reducing that and then replace those negative comments with positive comments to try to see the good. Again, as Timory was saying, I think it's acknowledge and affirm. Find that good in him and then acknowledge that to him. I think that would be a good starting place. Yeah, and just one thought I have, if if it sounds like the challenge, and I get this, you want examples, like it's a metaphor to you, he doesn't feel like he can lean on me, uh, but you're saying like, okay, give me examples, but he doesn't have concrete examples. Instead of trying to push him, because I know I'll sometimes ask my husband, like, give me an example so I can fix it. And he, he doesn't hold on to grudges. Like, I don't even remember. I, I can't give mm-hmm. you a, an example. And even, I don't even want to try and rehash my frustration with a particular situation. Mm-hmm. And I've had to learn to respect and honor that, that he's trying to think so well of me. He's not dwelling on my negative interactions that have maybe been hurtful toward him. And so maybe change your question of instead of saying, asking for examples, since he's said he can't lean on you and said ask what can I do to support you or what would make Mm. you feel supported by me but don't necessarily ask it within the context of argument or disagreement but settle Mm -hmm. let the dust settle and then go and ask him hey what can I do to support you better what are some areas where I'm not giving you enough support and that rephrases the conversation to be a positive conversation and maybe there might be some critique in there but it gives you an opportunity to open that door Mm, I like that. Okay, lots of questions coming in here. Here's an interesting one from Mia in Texas. A little bit of a a change of topic, but I think it's relevant. Having to do with the love languages. It's interesting. I think sometimes we weaponize the love languages. Mia, welcome to Trending. What is your question today for Devin? Hi, thank you so much. I have a different love language than my husband, which I think is common. We've been in a sacramental marriage for almost 10 years now. And one common theme that he tells me um, for years now is that he feels disrespected in the fact that I don't keep our house in a certain tidy manner and acts of service is his love language. And I grew up in a house full of clutter and disorganization. So it's not my nature and I'm comfortable in that environment, but he's not. And he just doesn't feel um, heard or respected because I can't keep up with that. But I'm also stretched thin with time and responsibilities with work and our child. But this has been going on since before I had this stressful job and before we had our child. So he's he's just starting over a decade now to feel really worn down and disrespected. But I don't know how to meet him in the middle because I'm that's just not my way. 
Um, and he also feels unsupported speaking to the last call because he feels like he can't count on me to do certain things around the house. And I, I just don't know what to do. Mm, there's a lot there. I have a couple thoughts and I'll pass it off to, to Devin. Mia, I think this is a great question, especially when there are differences in how we feel loved. Like I love the love languages and that it teaches us about how we need to meet a need that might be a little more predominant for someone. So it sounds like acts of service, like doing things for him are, are important. And he's actually told you already what type of act of service he wants. So there's a win. He's got a good direction for you. He's hoping that the house is cleaner than it is. So that's concrete. It sounds like it's a little overwhelming for you with everything you have on your plate. I get it. Uh, it's hard to keep a clean house. I think this is a challenge of every every mom today. Uh, but I, I'm going to say something that might sound really harsh, and then I'm going to go in a different direction. And I'll just give this as food for thought. Because it was something you said, be careful not to look at your family of origins norms of a messy house as an excuse for what make, is comfortable to you, but is not comfortable to him. And I, I know that might sound kind of harsh, but just because it's comfortable to you might really not be comfortable to him. And that's just one, again, I know that's a little harsh, but just think about that. But on a side note, I think there's a middle ground. He's communicated, he wants the house cleaner. So great way to reciprocate, I think, would be to ask, what in the house would be most important to you that I claim. And I had a friend, I'll give you an example. Her husband wanted a spotless house every single day. And she kept the house really clean, but it wasn't meeting the standards of what he wanted. And she finally had to ask it, what do you expect? And his big thing is that he actually wanted the house vacuumed every single day. Like he wanted the floor spotless. And she just said, that's not reasonable, both with time and children and it's just not getting that dirty. And so they had to find middle ground. For example, okay, if you vacuum the house once a week and if he wanted it more clean than that, he could vacuum it again. Or, okay, the thing that was maybe really stressful for him was if the dishes were piled up in the sink. Maybe there was that could be the one thing that she could focus on and there might be something else that could be part of that process that he could help that you're finding solutions in that situation devin do you have any thoughts for kind of finding that that respect and helping the husband to feel respected when his love language is acts of service and he really wants a clean house yeah well it's, first of all mia it is a great question and i and i also think though that it's important that the two of you can work this out because if he's still at this after 10 years of marriage, then this is really important. And it feels like he's begging for it. Maybe you're not moving in that direction. And so there's a lot of struggle here, right? I think a big principle here is marriage is not 50, 50, it's 100, 100. Mm -hmm. And so what that means is each person needs to figure out how they can give their hundred percent, whatever that means for them. Right. So I like what Timory said, you begin small and you identify that small piece that he definitely says, yeah, I need this. So like if it's the bedroom vacuum or the bedroom bed made or whatever it is, that's how you begin small. But I think before that, I mean, that's good. But I think the two of you could pick a project together because maybe, you know, like I've noticed this with people, some people just don't know how to organize. Some people just have never been taught how to bring order to a home. Some people just don't, that's not the way they've lived or been raised and they just don't have that experience. If he has, well, then this is a great way for the two of you to bond because you guys can pick a project together. Hey, let's organize the kitchen together 
or let's talk about how we can work, make the bedroom a nicer place, whatever it is. And then the two of you do it together. And then that way he sees that at least you want to do it and you want to do it with him. And that will speak volumes to him because that's feeding his respect tank, so to speak. That is, that's fundamental to a man. And it's great that you mentioned that Mia, because women want to be secure in love. Men want respect. If you respect him, most likely he's going to make sure that you're secure in love and vice versa. So what, what I'm saying here is I love the idea what Timory said, pick that small place, that one area of the home, begin small, but I think work together on a project and figure out how to do it together. And then maybe, maybe if you don't know how to do that, maybe you're going to learn that. And maybe he's going to be like, oh, you didn't know that. Okay. Well, here's how you do it, you know? And then I'm sure there's going to be needs that you have that he's not meeting that you guys could do the same thing on. That's Devin Shad from the Fathers of St. Joseph. Great advice helping us to work through these differences, these male-female differences that can be so challenging, but are also things that we can work on, we can address to better understand the other in the other person and grow to reappreciate what is different in other as we used to maybe at the beginning of a relationship or even before it, yet it needs to be rekindled years later. Again, you can find Devin at fathersofstjoseph.org. You can find his website and a ton of his books there, Fathers of St. Joseph.org. I'll be right back here on Trending to share the great news about a major win in Ohio protecting children. Today's programming is sponsored by Colby Academy, offering a customized Catholic curriculum. Colby Academy knows the ultimate goal of education is to help our children be saints. More info at relevantradio.com slash Colby. So what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Are you pro-transgender? See, no big deal with what's happening in schools, medicine, surgery. I hope you'll hear me out as I share with you good news about transgender policy and treatment. We're actually getting some wins when it comes to common sense laws that we should all be able to agree with, whether you're pro-transgender or you believe that there are only two sexes, male and female, and that we should encourage people in their biological sex. I think this is encouragement not to give up. We hear news out of the state of Ohio that the governor, Mike DeWines, actually vetoed a bill that would have protected children from cross-sex hormones, bodily mutilation surgeries, and would keep boys from competing in girls' sports and vice versa. Well, he vetoed the bill. And then, well, what happened? Legislators went back and they overruled that vote with a 24 to 8 vote with the Senate dominated by Republicans. And so vote went according to party lines in the state of Ohio in spite of Governor Mike DeWine's uh, position and having vetoed the bill, the law will take effect in roughly the next 90 days, the next couple months here. And it protects kids. You see, Ohio has now banned cross-sex hormones and bodily mutilation for minors. It also is here to restrict mental health professionals from telling lies, restricting mental health professionals from telling boys they are girls or girls that they are boys. It also stops boys from competing in girls' sports and vice versa. This is really important because 
girls are being beaten out of not just national and international records at the high school and even middle school level, but girls are in unsafe environments where they're being forced to change in front of little boys and they're uncomfortable. That's inappropriate, hands down. Not to mention the fact that with cross-sex hormones and bodily mutilation surgery, all of which is referred to as therapeutic and affirming care is actually doing permanent damage to the body. I don't have time to get into all of that, but it impacts not only fertility, but how and where you use the restroom. Uh, People have great regret. And even when you try to reverse the damage done by bodily mutilation surgery, you have lifelong consequences. And by the way, cross-sex hormones and bodily mutilation surgeries that are being used today, especially on prepubescent children or children who are still developing, going through puberty, these kids, we don't even know the long-term impact. This is good news. Boys don't belong in girls' sports and vice versa, and kids deserve to be protected by adults. Now, let's say you're pro-transgender, you know someone who is. This should be a common sense law that we can all agree on. Because this is what it does. All it's doing is preventing these harmful medications, surgeries, and policies for sports for minors. So what it allows to happen is a wait-and-see approach. Even if you're pro-transgender, you should be able to get behind this. Because, again, it allows the body to develop through puberty. And here's what's interesting. Countless studies actually address the fact that if... If a kid is struggling with their gender and is not ushered into any puberty blockers, therapy that says there's something they're not, any cross-sex surgeries, any of that, that 9 out of 10 children work it out and end up embracing their biological sex. I could share stories with you of kids, kids you probably know, kids that historically would have been considered tomboys, but today... If you do anything that fits into a box of something else, you're encouraged by the world that you're something other than what you are, and suddenly we're unicorns. I don't mean to be so harsh, but that's the truth. We try to force people into boxes, and if they show characteristics that are, quote, different, well, then we start telling people there's something they aren't. Now, the Associated Press claims that this is, quote, a move that has families of transgender children scrambling over how to best care for them. In other words, the Associated Press and other News agencies are claiming there's all this harm to kids who are experiencing gender dysphoric ideations. But the truth is, is that with policies such as these, it allows a wait and see approach, allows the body to go through puberty. It tells the truth about sexuality and identity, and it doesn't force your challenges that your child might be experiencing onto other children. The bottom line is it protects children from experimental treatments. It preserves parents' rights to navigate their child's medical care without government and schools trying to do the parent's job or even medical professionals. It encourages, again, this wait-and-see approach rather than using harmful puberty-blocking drugs or bodily mutilation surgery that permanently damages the body. Which, by the way, all of this damages future fertility. And what kid actually fully knows and understands being able to consent to the fact that they may not and will not be able to ever have children if they go through with these surgeries or long-term puberty blockers. This is going to ensure protection for children in the state of Ohio, and we need to get behind this. The church teaches that sexuality 
affects all aspects of the human person in the unity of body and soul and that we're meant to acknowledge, accept, and embrace who we are in our maleness or femaleness.